I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Dynasty As They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Here I am. And Merry Christmas. It is the holiday season. We are in full swing here at Dynasty As They Want to Be. Are you uh, excited for the holidays, Kyler? I mean, I've been excited for the holidays. Yeah, we've had a lot of house guests this holiday season, which is always lovely to see friends and family members, but they're, I don't know, kind of (laughs) gets exhausting. Well, you know, guests fall into all of these different categories, right? And we definitely have a toilet slammer. There's that one. Yeah. I thought somebody was playing whack-a-mole in the guest bathroom, (laughs) but they really were just... um, Putting it down. Well, then we also all had the, the force in their <laughs> fucking upper body. <laughs> we also had the constant showers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, we. I mean, I'm, I'm not glad our plumbing got a workout because we never use that bathroom. Yeah. So. Well, I can't wait to see what the hot water bill will be this month because everybody was just loving their time in the shower. I just think if you're staying over at somebody's house. You can't shower as long as you normally would in your own home. You have to respect the fact that somebody else is paying for your hot shower. That didn't really bother me. What bothered me is I had to listen to the shower going for about five hours straight every morning. Yeah, it was like we had a water feature in the fucking middle of the house. When you have a nice bathroom, people want to use it. Well, that's what I was going to say. I wasn't too offended because we do have like a really great shower situation, and it's very meditative in there. So I kind of get where people lose the concept of time once they're in there. I can get behind that. Well, then, of course, there's the babies. And I mean, like, the actual babies. And it's funny because, you know, babies generally annoy me. But then when you're in close quarters with friends and family and you're all cramped in the house together, the baby kind of ends up being a non-entity because everybody else is, you know, crying and whining for more wine I or I'm hungry. take... And- a house full of babies over Same. certain house guests. Yeah, I think the adults turn into bigger babies than than the babies. So this always reminds me of one of my favorite bad movies, which is Madhouse. And 
company. You were so nice to quote that <laughs> after they left. I don't know. It's, uh, there's something about John Larroquette and Kirstie Alley. Queen doing, Kirstie yes. Alley. She can do no wrong. No. Um, she can do screwball comedy, too. I know. Um, I miss I miss that. Like I know. Comedy. Where is that iteration? Yeah. Where's our, yeah. Where's our Kirstie Alley and where's our Shelley Long? I, I guess know. we got Amy Schumer and Kristen Wiig. Something happened like baby boomers in the 80s were first coming on the scene and making all these like sort of very specific comedy style movies and that's not a cultural thing that's happening right now yeah so. i just think comedies don't make the big bucks so studios just aren't green lighting those sorts of comedies yeah well the other thing is um we don't cook like normal things for you know holiday meals Sometimes we do. Sometimes, but, but... This season, we've felt very nonconformist when it comes to our menu choices. I was at the I was at the butcher's counter at our local grocery store, mm-hmm. and this uh, nice lady, or so I thought, was ordering up some very thickly sliced bacon. Like, it was thick enough to nail a hammer through or something what what anyway she had the nerve she tells the guy that he's like oh well you're gonna stuff your turkey with this bacon and she's like <laughs> excuse me that's yeah, a personal question I, that's what i thought but then she says hell no we ain't having any fucking turkey <laughs> like and i was like what <laughs> like, she said this in front of god and everybody at the butcher's counter at the grocery store and it was only like eight o'clock in the morning or something <laughs> i'm not a fan of turkey either but i'm not gonna throw the f-bomb around so see Kroger. this is the thing like i actually like turkey and a well-roasted turkey is actually fine there's nothing wrong it's with a it. thing of i'm beauty. so tired of everybody just like wanting to crap on the turkey like come on like it's fine there's nothing really that bad about turkey the problem is is when you have like the dry one or that one bad one like 20 years ago when you were like kid and you will never have a turkey again or something i i think that's weird that everybody has like such a an axe to grind see i think turkey. the pendulum has swung and now everybody or maybe this is just because i watch a lot of bone apper videos on youtube <laughs> but it seems like everybody is totally fucking obsessed with making the perfect turkey i mean the thing is is it's not rocket science to roast a turkey and also it's not going to taste like some magical thing from on high that's i don't know what people are expecting a turkey to taste like but when you take all of those prejudices away it's fine nothing wrong i we had this a couple of christmases ago thanks to you and i just want to give this pro tip to uh, all the people out there if you want to wow your guests if they're if they're experimental enough if they're adventurous enough with their palates don't get a turkey. Don't get one of those god-awful spiral hams. Stay away. Don't oh get any god. ham, actually. Get a goose. Get a goose. Get a goose. Get your goose. It is so moist and delicious. Not too difficult to cook, right? Like, no, it's, you just a, kind of it's put the it same in. idea. You just roast it like you would roast anything else. It's interesting because goose is like steak and a chicken had a baby yeah, i don't know it's, it's the like weirdest thing but yeah it's like oddly delicious a duck and a tuna had a baby and all you know it's just delicious all these things together and then well, we're making up all these like mythological creatures for the dinner table <laughs> well you know that's what the people want they want the bougie content but um if you can find a goose get a goose they're not too big so you might have to get a few geese if you want to oh no i mean well you're not going to get like a super big one but i mean you know your average goose i think feeds three people or maybe four 
depending on how many courses are at table. Yeah, that, get a goose and just invite babies But here's over. the thing about a goose. You get all this golden, delicious oil and fat, and you can fry potatoes in that stuff and well, fry we, donuts in it. That's the other one, fry donuts mm, and goose fat. Well, we gifted a, a fellow culinary fiend a jar of some goose fat that we had left over, and you would have thought that we gave him a brick of gold. He was so excited. Well, about it was that a jar of gold. Fat. I mean, it's literally golden colored. Hmm. Well, speaking of gold, we still have Alexis in her gold gown in this harrowing journey this week on Dynasty. Um, I think we just need to take a break and get into it. Yeah, we need it. to jump right into this one. Well, the wine has been poured, and now it's time to talk about this week's episode, The Baby, which I didn't even realize we were talking about babies in the beginning of the episode, and the episode's called The Baby. Well, as as we were saying, though, the baby's like the least offensive thing happening in this episode. Like, the baby's almost like not even there. I think technically we don't even see the baby. Oh, no, we see the baby. Um, the baby. Did we see the baby? We I saw the baby. the baby. I saw the baby. Mm-hmm. The baby is barely alive. So, you know, Fallon and, and Alexis get in this car crash. They rescue Fallon. And because of the trauma, she has to have an emergency cesarean. Now, we don't... They play fast and loose with the numbers on the show. I didn't realize how far along she was or if it was okay for her, her to have the baby. She's obviously been showing the past few episodes, but... Apparently, the baby's going to survive, and Fallon's going to survive, too. They went into an emergency room, and then for some reason, Dr. Toscani was back at the hospital, I guess, to check on his, his new patient, now that he's a neurosurgeon in, in two hours, and he's there by Fallon's side, and they're together, and, um, you know, Alexis has got problems here because she's got to get her story straight, because she realizes, like, this is kind of on her, I well, think. Well, I... That's why, you know, why we love to rag on the titles that they give these episodes, which I mean, I don't, the, they never really like show that title. Like, where would that title have turned up? You've already TV asked guide me that. Or something? TV I mean, guide. It was a but, different time. But anyway, the point being, like, obviously, this episode's not really even about a baby. Um, that's just more or less a springboard. And it's this episode to me is really all about Alexis and all of her, like, all of her revenge schemes and plotting and conniving, it all kind of comes apart and like blows up in her face in this episode. And like, this is what, this is what is actually so fun about her as a villain. Like, you know, I've said this so many times, like she doesn't always get her way and she's actually not as all powerful as maybe we might have mythologized this character to be. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's like kind of fun to watch it blow up in her face. And obviously like we get a very climactic moment from this, but yeah, it doesn't blow up in her face. It fucking hits her in the face and on the ass and the legs <laughs> and down the stairs. But we'll get to that. Let's kind of break down all of her schemes. I think that'll be a nice way to organize this. So starting with this whole idea that Fallon is actually Cecil Colby's daughter. So she told Fallon this. This is what caused Fallon to careen off the road into a construction site. And she, Alexis learns that Fallon found out about this from Sammy Joe, which sends Alexis into a rage. Now, Sammy Joe is... Yeah, Alexis is not thinking straight here. Like, she's totally lost it. With her her deal with Sammy Joe. She's playing bad chess. Like, she just sacrificed her knight, you know, and... 
and she's not even going to get a check out of this. Like it's it's insane because yeah. So she so she goes to Sammy Joe. She calls her to her studio and she says that she'll give her twenty thousand dollars if they will basically annul the marriage. And now it's a little bit weird because they're saying that the annulment only comes if they didn't consummate. See, this is the why marriage. this is bad chess for Alexis. Like it's so aggravating to watch her do this to herself because it's like you know that scheming little hussy is going to take your you know marriage annulment offer straight to Stephen Carrington and try to break up the the <laughs> relationship with his mother. I don't know if I agree with that. She's been so money hungry. Oh, I don't have to question if it's agreeable or not because Sammy Joe even says as much. She's like, I'm going to take this straight to Stephen. No, I know she does, but I'm just saying in terms of Alexis coming up with this new deal, I figured that... Um, you know, Sammy Joe might actually consider taking the money. I want to use the money to go away someplace for a while and improve myself. Get some what you'd call fancy manners. Look, I'm not a charitable institution. I am paying you good money so that you will do what I want, and that is to go away and stay away. Sorry, but that's it. Because if it isn't, I'll take this paper straight to Stephen. And show him how his dear, sweet mommy wanted his wife to sign something that would make him out of fag. I don't know. The well, whole this is thing the- where Sammy Joe takes the paper from her and she's like, I'm going to go show this to her. And Alexis kind of has a half-hearted attempt to grab it from her. I mean, really, she couldn't have grabbed the piece of paper out of her hand. But Well, it wouldn't really matter because Sammy Joe would something. just say it to Steven. And right. Steven would yeah, probably yeah. believe it because he knows... His mother. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have a better relationship with her than Fallon does, but uh, you know he knows what she's capable of. Yeah, and basically, Sammy's just she's you know grasping at straws, catch as catch can, and this is like perfect like grist for her mill. So it is. It's actually kind of a little bit aggravating at the end that she does, I guess, finally take the offer and leaves town. Well, her counter offer is that she's going to take the money, but she's going to go get. I mean, I guess she's going to charm school. And she's not going to say goodbye to anybody and she's just going to peace out. I don't know, but I guess we just needed Heather Locklear needed to be written out of the show at this point. Do you know the backstory? Uh, I don't know the backstory. And, you know, I don't I don't want to put any more like loose facts out there that I'm going to get called out for later. This is probably like the least egregious of Alexis's not very well conceived slash half-baked plots because... Whether Sammy Joe is like really leaving town or not, she's not losing her relationship over Steven yet because of this. But I mean, that remains to be seen. That that could just be in the next episode. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I like that on her way out in the taxi cab, taking her furs and everything, she tells Crystal, watch out because Alexis is going to send you packing just like she sent me packing. Sammy Joe, where are you going? Away, Crystal. As far away as I can get from this house. Why? What happened? Ask dear Alexis Carrington. And while you're at it, ask her when she plans to send you packing. It's kind of, I think, the last straw for Crystal. It sends her over the edge that she sees that Alexis has had the power to send her niece away. Alexis and Crystal already had their confrontation in, you know, the drawing room, the prior episode before the party. And, you know, Crystal says, don't forget who declared this war. Um, so, you know, the writers have obviously kind of like baked in some of this uh, conflict already at this point. Oh, and, yeah. No, they've been coming out. But this at is really other. the episode where Alexis like screws it up royally and like Crystal is coming for her at this point. That starts off with the Fallon 
and the car crash, Alexis doesn't have like a, you know, a, a believable story for that. And Crystal like is on to that first thing. Yeah. So the next scheme is that Fallon remembers the conversation, although I think she's misremembering it. I think she did tell her she's not exactly sure who her father is. But when Fallon wakes up, she's just trying to like sweep this under well, the rug. But don't forget Alexis like screams Cecil Colby before the car, you know, careens into the construction zone. Right. So. But she doesn't definitively say Cecil Colby is your father. She says, you know, I'm not sure it could be dot, dot, dot Cecil Colby. But, you know, Fallon's just gone through this huge physical trauma. So she don't give a fuck. She wants Alexis gone. And she, this is not going to work. So, yes, whatever tenuous allegiance they had is completely gone now because Fallon's yeah, whole world really is turned like upside down. Yeah, pooch on this one. Like, she's already had a, a problem with Fallon before, and I think this is sort of like seals the deal that they will never have a good relationship. I used to be Fallon Carrington. Now I'm nothing. Even if this is not true, which it very may well be, she was trying to use this information against people, right? To get, you know, Fallon on her side. Right. Or she was clearly using this information as a tactic, and then it's come back. Well, just imagine, you know, you're seven, eight months pregnant. Who knows? Dressed before evening regalia, driving a very expensive luxury vehicle, probably imported gray market from Europe. And, you know, you're being told by your estranged sometime mother that the guy you almost slept with or maybe did, I, we never really did establish that, you think that they didn't, I think that they did, is perhaps her father. And when you think about it, what does that make Jeff to her? Because... I don't know. I was is actually that like trying third to. Third removed cousins is okay, but. I think you know, it's just cousins. Second I don't know. removed is not. I, I don't know how that genealogy works. I out. was thinking about that when Blake uh, revealed to uh, to Jeff that he had become a father. And I was thinking, well, the the baby is actually your baby, but also your cousin or something. I don't know. It was. It's a little confusing. But if her father is. <laughs> Cecil and Cecil's nephew is Jeff. Right. Then that means that's cousins. That's just first cousins though, right? I don't know. It it I never understood the cousins thing. I just know that if they're a cousin, it's just better to stay away. I don't know. Right. But cousins better Especially than like when brother it comes or to sister. <laughs> yeah, they should have definitely not made a baby if this genealogy is all under the same tray. So the next scheme is actually like really old scheme one that i didn't think was gonna come back but crystal walks into the kitchen and sees the hottest guy that i've seen on dynasty who's a tony the oh god i've got a bad backstory on this guy Uh oh what did you like hook up with him or something in the 80s this poor guy was it paul keenan i think was his name yes uh he died at 31 and he was an aids victim and so Here's this like super hot snack on my TV screen. And I'm like, oh, who is this guy? Has he ever been in anything else? And, you know, turns out, well, never mind. That's kind of a downer. I mean, that is totally a downer. Aww. But it, in a weird way, it does echo what they've done to the Steven character. Like, you know, because I think at this point, AIDS was finally, it wasn't quite on the scene, but it was certainly starting to become news in the, you know, right. the like community. People were dying. 
And they hadn't quite associated with the mass hysteria that AIDS became probably a year or two later, but it is sort of indicative of like the, you know, what they did with Steven, which was like, mm, we got to get under the rug. Yeah. Right. Well, let's, let's just, you know, make him not gay anymore. Well, anyway, RIP Paul, AKA Tony, the hot groundsman. So he's cleaning the, the skeet rifle in the kitchen. And of course, Joseph, the bitchy Butler has a comment about that. Like, do you have to do that in here? And uh, Tony's like, well, I got to eat and I got to clean. Might as well do it at the same time. Um, it's interesting at this point because like Joseph's sort of like not nearly as fun or as bitchy as he used to be but they give him this one little line but it's like mm, it's just not like it was in the old days Joseph yeah I think he kind of peaked at being Blake's attache or his you know blind companion yeah, or whatever that was, that was his last big moment yeah I mean it's kind of sad when being Blake seeing eye dog is the <laughs> biggest thing that you had to do on dynasty but that's the reality Anyway, seeing the gun and Tony makes Crystal go and remember when she had her miscarriage falling off because she wasn't quite sure why Champ the horse threw her off. But um, I guess in her vision, she realized it was that that skeet gun. And Tony remembers that day. And he said, yeah, Alexis was using that gun that day. And now Crystal has put it I have to give it to Crystal together. on this one because that's a that's a little bit complicated to get to that conclusion. Like she would have to be associating a lot of coincidence, and at the same time, she knows that Alexis is a schemer and a conniver. Well, Alexis constantly so reminds I think she makes her that leap, and she says, "Yes, I think Alexis was behind all of yeah, this." Yeah, no, I think I think the evidence is there. Alexis constantly reminds her that she's but... barren and she can't have Blake's baby. And uh, on top of that, there's all of this stuff going on at the hospital with Fallon's baby. So I can see that it would sort of jog her memory. I mean, literally in this episode, Alexis once again reminds Crystal that she can't have children. So it's on her mind. And then she's already heated about all of these things because Alexis is coming at Crystal that whole party. She was making snide little comments. She made a snide comment when they first arrived at the hospital after the accident. So... Alexis is at the ready. I mean, yeah, she's just some simpleton from Ohio, but she's not a complete moron, not like Sammy Joe is anyway. Yeah, well, that's why I always like the 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 family relation there because as I said before, it's like a tale of two cities. Like they both came from Dayton, Ohio, but Sammy Joe's clearly not even on the same league as Crystal even, who's not even really on the same league as Alexis, but in this episode obviously that gets reversed. Well, are we going to talk about it? I think it's time to talk about it. So after all of these schemes get put together in Crystal's head, she goes over to the artist studio to confront. Oh, you're just pouring that wine. You need a little. I I need to relax if we're going to talk about this. (laughs) So I had kind of thought that their first altercation would happen like a couple of episodes ago or or if the altercation happened, it would just be like a slap, right? Just a slap and then a, a storm off. But after Crystal realizes that Alexis is responsible for her miscarriage, she grabs that gun. She goes out to that art studio and she tells Alexis oh, no, yeah. she knows Sh- what she did. Shit is going to be real now. Well, now, you look as if you're armed for battle. I am. Oh, is it your little niece? Is that it? 
Are you going to shoot my heart out because I've sent her back to the boondocks where she belongs? Stop the charade, Alexis. I know. I know what happened that day I was out riding the horse. You shot this gun. It wasn't a car that backfired. You were out shooting and you saw me riding and it was no accident. You don't know what you're talking about. You're insane. You were jealous. Jealous because I was going to give Blake a child. And you couldn't stand that, could you? No, no. You're jealous because Fallon's had her baby and that's made you even more paranoid. Well, I didn't cause your accident, Crystal. Just as I didn't cause your barrenness. So, if you've quite finished... I haven't. And of course, Alexis, as she always does, denies, denies, denies. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. But she denies in a way that she's not denying. She's like daring Crystal. But that's the problem, right? She's going to finally get what's coming to her. We're right. Crystal can't fucking take it and then smacks her. And then instead of it just being a smack like I expected, it turned into a full out. This went from zero to 60 in like two seconds. Bitch, this went from zero to 120. This was insane bonkers like i knew that they had this fight you know i've i've not seen all of the episodes this is my first watching of them so i've seen clips of this fight i've heard people make fun of it i know that it happened but i wasn't i wasn't expecting it not not in this way and not to this degree like it kept going like first they punched each other and then they went into the bed and then there was feathers flying everywhere and there's you know, as the fight goes on, well, they're ripping their clothing. Of course, she sleeps only on feather down. I mean, of course. And a lot of it, apparently, because it just looked like a fucking goose well, blew up. The I Christmas mean, goose was how, over there in the corner. How many... Do we have, like, a cat fight count on this show? I mean, was it was I guess like we should three start, or something, right? There maybe were, we need to start tallying. It was them. one of those things that was more, like, mythology than real life, because I think they only had, like, two or three of these. Well, I don't know. Show. You know. But, yeah, maybe there's not that many. So it's it's exciting to, like, get one. You know, you've always heard about their famous cat fights, and, like, we finally get one, and we're only in, like, the first, or, sorry, the second season. Yeah, the middle of the second season. Um, but the other I thing I don't want to know how many cat fights there were. I want to know how many glass vases Alexis sat in her studio i know it's like there have, was always a fresh vase full of flowers to throw at somebody it was, <laughs> it was comical it there almost, were at least two although i feel like there might have been a third coming if if they had let this go on any longer but yeah they go into the tables and she drags her down the stairs and i don't want to like call out dynasty but and i know you know these women did as much as they they could physically but the stunt doubles are yeah, so Yeah, this is famously noticeable. known for the bad stunt doubles. Right. Like, this might actually be worse than the stunt doubles at the other cat fight. But yeah, it's like clearly like a burly man in a Alexis wig. And it's, I don't know. I, it, it, in some ways, it presages how all of the uh, drag cult culture glommed onto these two characters in some way. Though. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the Alexis in the shots with the stuntman looks like, I don't know, Rocky Horror. Now, how choreographed do you think this was? Oh, like, it was, was like this a like storyboarded? Oh, I mean, yeah. It was storyboarded. It was a ballet. It has a it very choreographer. Like, here's like, I, this is one of my favorite things in like cinema is a good fight scene whether it's swords or or you know fists or whatever it may be and so this is like a really actually well done you know fight between these two women and in that way it feels very raw 
um, you almost question, was it choreographed? Because it is. It comes across very believably, even though it's like totally over the top and it's like high camp and ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact they're not throwing punches at each other or or there's like taekwondo or something. Like it's very visceral and that they're just grabbing each other and just unleashing all of their rage, which has been building up. So in that way, I guess I'm glad that there hadn't been like a slap heretofore because they just keep going and going. It had all been very verbal up until this point. Right. And they literally keep going until they're physically exhausted. But here's the thing. Give it to Ohio over England because Crystal won that fight. Yeah, she definitely won the fight. And the I, don't know, I don't know if she'll win the battle, but she certainly won this fight. Well, and I love what she says at the end. If you want a rematch, just whistle. If you can. Probably my, my favorite detail of the fight scene is the sound music. effect. I knew you were going to say that. Well, the music is number two for me, but number one for me is the sound effect of the blouses being ripped, which is just, again, another like campy drag queen kind of moment. Like I, but it does, it also suggests the actual clothing they're wearing, which we always, you know, say is one of the, like the biggest elements of the show is the costumes. So you're, you're just, I don't know. I felt kind of bad, like these clothes getting all torn up, you know, but it's, again, it's just part of, what a great scene this was. Yeah. So, and, and I think the final, the final moment of the scene really is the aftermath. Like you get this pan from the ceiling mm -hmm. and poor Alexis is like very smartly decorated artist studio is like, it's a garbage dumpster by the time that they're done. And, you're wondering, well, she might as well just burn the place down and go move to a new place because this this is never going to be put right again. No, it's insane how destroyed the studio is. I mean, they literally, if there was one piece of furniture, they grabbed it and either threw it at each other or threw each other into it. Like, nothing is left standing. It's... It was definitely one point about this fight I got was that Crystal was going to make sure nothing was left untouched. Like everything gets destroyed, broken, shattered, or ripped to shreds. Like, and we're not just talking about the wigs and the clothes, you know? Yeah, but this is not the end because Alexis is sitting there in her completely destroyed, looking like, you know, some hurricane hit it. And uh, this. Oh, she's going to come back from this. She's not worried about any of this. No. Well, the private eye is already on the way. The one that she's hired many, many weeks Which, ago. This was another little plot line that they just kind of like put to bed episodes ago and. It just kind of comes back from the dead, and you're oh, like, no, oh, I, I forgot about this Yeah, guy. no, rightly so. They planted that seed. Yeah. I knew it was still there, so I knew something would happen. Apparently, the divorce papers were never filed anywhere. And Yes, Mexico, and United States. I was States, thinking it, and Alexis said it. Bigamy. <laughs> it's almost like bingo, but instead she says bigamy. I know. I did like the way that she said that. So. Well, here's the thing. This fight had to happen before the detective was ever going to find out about oh yeah because alexis would have just used that as like a you know a vocal arsenal right. and it would have stopped crystal probably so, from engaging this is, in this a is more you know manipulation of the audience on the writer's part but that's fine this is all like super scrumptious so far I'm not but we yeah and we do get a great reaction shot from the the guy that plays the private eye when he comes in he he <laughs> sees the wwe you know match that had happened previously so while Fallon was having the baby and Alexis was scheming and Crystal was figuring all this stuff out, 
Jeff Colby was banging Claudia Blaisdell. I just love like what a dirtbag he's turned into. It was like wife's in a car accident, having a premature baby. It's not like he knows. I know, but he it it it's almost worse because he doesn't know. Because of course he doesn't know. He's like he's off being you know selfish and you know on a bender, as he says. Now, what did we think? I think this was our first look at Claudia Blaisdell's single. Oh my god, she's apartment. living in a flop house. What is this place like? It looks a little sketch on the outside, and like it was probably new construction at the time, and that's how sketchy it is. Oh, I don't but think then, like, anything was new about this. Well, yeah, but th- yeah, and she's got like the insane neighbors that are yelling, screaming, breaking beer bottles all night long, and dancing to disco or something. So it's like she's clearly living in the wrong side of the tracks. Well, the issue I have is that she has two Rattan peacock chairs in the middle of her room like that's what wicker kind of, baby that ain't Raton. what kind of decorating choice is that outdoor furniture on the inside i think she might be relapsing everybody had one of those goddamn wicker peacock chairs back then that was that was just a thing okay well maybe claudia is ahead of the curve because she does paint her walls a specific shade of millennial pink Decades and decades before that was even a color. I was actually going to call this color out because this this was a hugely popular color in the early 1980s. Oh, really? Because yeah. it seems to me that that's the pink that everybody's been obsessed with the no, past few years. I think millennial pink had a little more of a quartz, corally kind of tone to it. This is definitely more dusty, almost a gray pink in some way well it's hard to tell because the lights know, are so, so dim romantic because her whole intention is to bring jeff back here fuck his brains out then take his keys and go steal these oil shale files this has turned into a fucking james bond movie here and yeah, claudia blaisdell is a bond girl she's no blofeld because like what the hell is like with the she's gonna take the keys out of his pants pocket while he's right there in the like you you, you you take that pair of pants, you go into the bathroom and shut the door and you take the keys out in another room. Like you don't do that with him right there. And it's you, like, we, and here's the thing. Alexis gets called out for like way less problematic issues. And like, she's doing this thing with the keys and like totally gets away with it. It's just not right. But Claudia Blaisdell is a sex goddess. So she gave it well, to Jeff so Well, I do like that so she got good. her groove back on this episode because did you notice like what happened to her hair when she shows up at Cecil's office the next day? She is va-va-vooming with with all the the mousse and the hairsprays and things. I don't know what she did to her hair, but obviously this thing with Jeff, like, was a blowout. Yeah, but if Fallon hasn't been giving it to him, you know, maybe he's just been pent up and had a lot of sexual aggression to take out on Claudia Blaisdell. Well, obviously that wasn't really her, you know her raison d'etre she she just wanted them keys yeah well it didn't fucking work because she didn't find the files and she goes to colby cecil colby did we uh, i probably just missed this did she actually go to the office and look for the files and then yes but we didn't see it so um for those of you keeping at home we did see the baby we did not see claudia blaisdell rifling through the files we just saw her revealing that. And that's kind of what's been going on with this sort of B plot with Claudia. We just kind of dip it's in and out of it. Drips and drabs, yeah. But uh, Cecil's doesn't give a fuck that the files weren't there. He's like, no, well, go find them. Go fuck the, somebody else. The best part of them. this is like Cecil turned her out. He's like, I taught you how to, you know, use sex for gain. Uh, so don't, you know, don't be so disgusted or whatever. And yeah, I mean, to you her- actually said something very smart too. Um, Blake was in the hospital 
and he said something about like we need to pray to God or something like that. And you're like, oh please, these people aren't even religious. And and I'm like, you know what? That's like we've never really talked about that. And that was my whole thing with Blake and Stephen in the beginning. Blake never called Stephen out over a moral or religious right. He's not saying don't be gay because the Bible says don't be. Yeah, gay. this was He's just about like I need somebody to carry on it's not, the family you know. line and like yeah, you need to be you know the man of the family. Um, so that's just another one of these like little details in this show that's kind of in the background or, or it's not even really in the back, but it's just part of the environment. Well, it just sends a shiver up my spine when I hear religion in this show because these people <laughs> clearly have no morality. Well, now it's the time of the episode where we talk about our looks of the week. I don't even know if I had a look of the week because people were in the hospital, people were in car accidents, people were just this episode naked. was just so frenetic. Yeah, I didn't have much time to look, much less admire the clothes. Um, I, I mean, what? I would I would have to really call out Claudia's outfit in Cecil's office. That black and red suit. Um, coupled with the, as I was already discussing, the, the extreme the, the crazy blowout. got her groove back blowout that she has. You know, it's, and again, it's this red and black, which we've identified as the two colors of power dressing. I think my look of the week is probably a tie, and it's going to be what Alexis and Crystal were wearing during the fight. Not so much that it was like high fashion, because it was very sort of simple day wear, sorts of things we've seen them in before. Now, we should qualify. Is this before or after the fight? <laughs> because after the fight, obviously, Alexis is looking a little bit different. We don't she's really... she's still wearing the same outfit. Yeah, we don't really see Crystal's <laughs> outfit too much. But I just love the fact that it's... I mean, Crystal's wearing purple. It's not quite red, but it's basically like red versus blue here. It's almost eggplant. And it's just great because you have that contrast, you know, the blonde and the brunette, one wearing red, one wearing blue. And they're both wearing kind of not like big shoulder pads, not like late 80s shoulder pads, but they definitely have some body yaddy yaddy going on. The best fashion, no, but I think some like really great choices were made. And, you know, these are iconic outfits. This is an iconic Yeah, scene. I mean, whether you like the clothes that much or not, I mean, this is iconography being, you know, magically formed on your screen before your eyes. So it's it's all part of the, the look and the feel of this great scene. Mm-hmm. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Dynasty as they want to be. First, before we go, I wanted to remind everybody that you can follow us on social media. We're at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, which we actually got a, a comment that I wanted to read to you, Kyler. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Letters. We get letters. We get lots and lots of letters. Not really, but when we do, we read some of them on air. Here's one from Emilio Julian. As a Spanish fan of Dynasty since the 80s, I love your podcast. After some time, I'm listening to your latest episodes. So Emilio had some other comments, specifically about episode 210. Would you like me to read them? Not really, but you're going to anyway. <laughs> so if you recall, that's the episode where Alexis seeks counsel in a mystic. So Emilio said, I've listened to episode 210 and I'm a bit disappointed because you didn't mention the Roman psychic was a famous Hollywood star 
named Vivica Linfors, and then he put the, her IMDb profile. Even We've actually was... had some other comments from social media that we did not give uh, Miss Linfors her due. She was a Swedish actress. Well, we're sorry, oh, Emilio. And we're no, more... because this is my thing. I love like old, forgotten, or I should say, obscure character actors, or just people who were bigger in other markets and just wind up on this show. Um, like that's like my thing. So I, I'm disappointed in myself. I thought I had I did a good enough job at IMDb. Either failed me or my research skills are just trash. Yeah. Well, and your psychic ability is non-existent as well. Now the other comment that Emilio had for us was uh, he didn't like us talking about the gay conversion of Stephen. He said we didn't know what the writers were thinking when they decided to make him straight and marry Sammy Joe. And he thought it was common knowledge that this was imposed by ABC in 1982 because they didn't want Stephen as a homosexual. This is a, a hot tub, okay? Like, you're you're stepping into it, and you're going to get in trouble when you talk about these issues. So, I, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's, well, I'm putting my swimsuit on, and I'm going to dip in. You're going to go boil yourself. Ass first. At 118 degrees. No, I mean, we've talked about it a couple of times, and maybe if you're just jumping in, the way the podcast works is I haven't seen every episode, so I'm watching it with my virgin eyes, and I'm just absorbing it and just watching what's on screen. Now, I know there were some things that happened behind the scenes, and I'm just trying to take in what is presented in front of me without delving too much into the behind the scenes. We do know that Stephen's homosexuality was basically changed at the the behest of studio heads and that sort of thing. It's been well documented and talked about. It was like one of these like obvious things that like sometimes somebody else has to say it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's like right there on the surface. But. Yeah. But, well, you know, we're not pro or against any of this because it already happened. It is what it is. So I'm just giving you my opinion on the characters and the storylines as as, uh, as I'm watching it and seeing it. And I still stand up for the fact that I think he's bisexual. Softened. Just Justice for yeah. bisexuals. I've softened to that theory. I used to not like it so much and I thought it was a little bit of a cop out, but... You know, I don't know. When you think about it, bisexuals don't really get any representation. Like, so who are we to crow about, you know, Stephen Carrington being this gay character? Maybe he is. Just, I mean, obviously, he's technically bisexual because he's sleeping with Sammy Joe and with Claudia. So, yes, good tidings for all bisexuals. But I think why why we want him to be a gay character is because we know that that's how he started. That's how he started. But it's also what was imposed uh, to our dear readers point, which was that Emilio. ABC, yes, that ABC forced this character to not be gay anymore. So it is a little bit of a gay conversion thing, uh, even though it's, that's sort of a meta way of explaining it. Yeah. And Emilio points so in that out way, that he's this... not bisexual because the network wanted him to not be gay. It's just, so they're forcing him to sleep with Sammy Joe. So in some sense he really isn't bisexual. But well, that's just I, my, I like how you agreed with me in the I know, same I, I, breath, and then you disagreed. <laughs> I with really me. just did some pretzel logic there. Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, I was a little worried in the beginning of this episode because it starts out with a lot of hospital stuff, and I, that's where I always feel like soap operas lose me. It's almost almost as bad as courtroom stuff. It's just like whenever we go to the hospital, whenever we go to the court, you know. It's just going to be dragging for days and not much is really going to happen. There's going to be some sort of melodrama acting, but 
what really is happening, you know? And they quickly set all that aside and we got on with things as, as Alexis's universe began to unravel before her very eyes. So I, this turned out to be like an incredibly exciting episode. And I was just thinking like, what could live up to the party? I think that was technically a better made episode, but I think this is just as good. And it's just, it's incredible this season, like what's been going on. And oh my God, we have another Carrington. I wonder what they'll name him. Not another Carrington. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 